to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Rimmelart. And I'm Carlos Amesco. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. All right. Do you want to talk about something that hurts everybody? Yes. Tell me. <laughs> no one likes. Tell me. What? <laughs> DMV. It is a nightmare. It is. A, it's a I, universal nightmare. You know, but I think California takes the cake because I've gotten driver's licenses in other states. Me too. But man, it's nothing like here. It's like a four-hour yeah. ordeal. And now with this new, uh, what do they call it? The new Real, Real ID. Real ID. I went back three times because I didn't have the right documents. I thought I had the documents I needed. I think I'm a reasonably intelligent human being. <laughs> I kept bringing Ish. back. I kept bringing back documents. I go, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Sorry. That nope. That doesn't work. That nope. Nope. And I went, wow. Can you give me a list of stuff that you actually need? What's amazing is they're slow as molasses to the point where you had the opportunity to go home and come back and still be seen. Not the same day. I oh, you had to go back three, to I went three well, different days. Oh, see, my mom, my mom had the same problem you did. Yeah. Wrong documents. She thought she had everything right, but they were running so slow that she was able to go home, oh, get yeah. the right documents, and then come back in the same You're day. You're number 782, and we're on number 281. Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah, come back. plenty of time. <laughs> I was like, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not talking about that Besides today. the real ID and having to go there and all of the other scary things about the DMV, perhaps the worst part of the DMV is that horrendous photo that you have to <laughs> Everybody take. Everybody complains about their picture. You know, the one that, like, makes you look like a goblin in some Some, some, some people have, uh, I'm sorry, but I I photograph the same in every picture. I, you really do. I, it, it makes me so <laughs> mad. I'm just a little older, but it's the same photo. It's you know? the same photo. But I don't know what kind of cameras they, they use those like remote weird little computer cameras like from Microsoft from back in 1965. With that horrible <laughs> fluorescent lighting right. yeah. that it just makes you look like you belong, like you're ill, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or that you like, ugh. And they it, go, just look at the red dot. Yeah, and you know, I was. Not that red dot, the other red dot. Right. And so you're looking and you're looking and, and you go, and that's a much smile, oh, okay. And then you have this weird look on your face. Right. And sometimes, did you know that I was I was reading an article about how sometimes the DMV, if you're like mean to the DMV employees who are running the thing. <laughs> they do not. Are you saying they've doctored the picture no, and make you look bad? They, no, they just kind of mess with you. They oh. they they give you a three, two, one count, but shoot it on two. Uh, two. <laughs> and then you've got to live with that picture for like ever, you know? Like yeah. for, oh yeah. So. That's my picture. That's a real. That's my real ID from picture. When? From like a couple years ago. How oh, you dare you, you sir? No. So let's say twenty oh one. No, it was like twenty fifteen. That's a that's a perfectly good picture of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had enough makeup on to like you know you could see it from that, the sun. We take a, a lot of we've taken a lot of headshots. We've done yeah. this part of our profession. So we're professionals at that. Right. What's your, and your, see, and then yours, I think I saw yours. And again, so, it looks like every other picture that Carlos has ever taken <laughs> in the history of Carlos. So this, so I took that picture Who, there. What's the one on I, the left with the gentleman's cut? The 1998. And uh, that's weird because it looks like a part. It's not a part. It's, it, it's totally. part of that. It's part of that weird thing that they put on. You know, oh, no, like it looks like a part. It looks like a part. In a perfect place. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like I've got a Liberace kind of part <laughs> there. No, yeah. yeah, see, Carlos, same but, picture look, every look, time. Botox is work, not working because i got a turkey neck in the old one. <laughs> and that's how I look now. 
Well, okay. But thank goodness I still have hair. But my, my picture, I never care about it. My pictures look, I mean, picture I could pull out the, my license from high school, which I still have. Right. And it looks the same. See, same. but not everybody, like, my, like not everybody has that luxury. Yeah. Most people, including me, have taken some horrible DMV photos. So this assemblyman wants to make sure you get a good picture, right? So how about <laughs> this? This assemblyman, Philip Chen, he's a Republican from Diamond Bar, has introduced some legislation that would allow you to take three DMV photos. Uh-huh. And you get to pick your favorite out of the three. Well, that's very generous. But, so do they have time for that? <laughs> well, no, but here's the thing. So they have the three. The one you get for free, mm -hmm. and the other two you have to, it, they cost $5 each. Oh, And the, if you want that option. And if you want the option. And so basically okay. it's 10 bucks to give you the best out of three. Okay. And that money goes towards... Um, like driver's ed driver's programs, ed, driver's other other road. Or into the general slush fund of the state because they mean, got a lot of money in that slush fund. I, I, heard, I heard the governor bragging about, uh, you know, $21 billion. Uh, surplus. You forgot to mention that you raised our taxes by 1,000%. Right. So you'd have that surplus. Look, at, I think a lot of people would pay an extra 10 bucks to, to not have to picture. live with a horrible picture yeah, on yeah, their driver's right, license. Right, Do you know right. what I'm saying? Um, so bill, a bill similar to this one was introduced in 2018. Went nowhere. They didn't pass it. It seems like such an easy thing to do. Like, just go ahead and pass it. It's found revenue. People who want to look good on their driver's license are going to pay the money. But the problem is you got to create a bureaucracy, an additional piece of bureaucracy to make right, this to make it, make happen. it work. Yeah. But, like, do you remember when there was a whole episode of the Kardashians where Khloe Kardashian minute, went you, to... You watch the Kardashians? What, yeah, I mean, for research, obviously, okay. research purposes. Right. Um, no, but she went to the DMV to get yeah. a new driver's license, and she brought her own lighting crew to the DMV to light her. Can you do that? She did. Wow. She brought Kim, like Kim a, did? No, Chloe. Chloe. brought her own lighting crew to light her photo. Her DMV photo is beautiful. <laughs> because obviously the photos in there, the lighting is horrendous. Holy cow. So anyway, if this gets passed, mm -hmm. um, it will take effect January of 2022. But if it doesn't, and we get stuck with the one and only DMV photo, and you're sentenced to that, you're, you got some tips. I well, I don't. I researched from a good photographer. Oh, okay. How to? So here's what I do. I look at the camera, take my camera, I I turn my head a little bit like this. <laughs> it looks just like my DMV picture, right? Doesn't matter whether the lighting's good or bad, right? It's the same. It's the same picture. It never changes. It's the same face. And it's crazy. and and the thing it's crazy, isn't it? But I've I've done it, I've got it down to a science. You do have it down to but, a science. You know, people when you're at home, practice. So okay. Look so, in the mirror and go. So that's the one thing the photographer did say was practice. Same thing. Same face. It is the same. Yeah. It's really impressive. Here's the other thing um, the photographer said is don't look at the camera at the DMV until you're absolutely ready. So if you want to like do your hair, or you don't, you know, don't walk in and stand there and look at the camera because right. they then they can take your picture. But and then you look like this, they're, right? They're like you. They can't legally take your photo if you know you're looking down or right. like fixing your hair or right. putting your makeup on until you look at the camera. Yeah. So so don't look at the camera until the very last Rem minute. Remember in Anchorman where they were all doing their poses and yeah. they, and they, and they do this Oh, they'd look down and look up. It's of it's course. eyewitness news. It's the eyewitness news thing. Of course. Yeah. And Mark Brown, eyewitness news. See? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you look up, you look yeah. up. Yeah, and look up. When she's counting 3, 2, 1. 
Bingo. <laughs> the other, um, the other thing, just real quick, the 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 uh, photographer said is uh, for what ladies avoid any kind of shimmery makeup. It'll wash you out. Um, don't wear solid white or solid black because right. sometimes that will blend into the background depending on what they've got, and right. you just don't know. Um, uh, smile. That's yeah. the other thing. You know, people wear logos and stuff. They tell you not to do that too. Don't wear logos. Yeah, right. And be nice to the DMV official who is taking your picture. <laughs> so they can allow you to kind of get yourself together. I have a secret DMV place that I go to and I don't tell anybody else because it's really good. It's really secret. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Well, but the you lady, can't just announce it and then not. The lady, the lady who works at the, the photo, at the camera, so it's just one lady who works at the camera, she'll take as many photos as you want, but, she, but they're not charging you. And where? she goes, what do you think? I go, good, okay, that's a good one. I go, yeah, and I said, I don't have to look at it. I know it's good. <laughs> Of course she would say that. Of course she would say that. All right, so fun facts about the DMV. It's possible that you could get two redos. Possible. We'll keep you updated. In the meantime, take a look at our DMV photos. <laughs> Smile at perfection. Yeah, there you go. All right, we have a great show. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Mark Brown, Eyewitness News. Coming up, the science behind working out in the mornings. We all like to work out, well, at least some of us. Um, but the question always becomes, when is the best time to work out for your body, for your overall health, for your weight loss goals? We asked Dr. Avital Harari to come in and give us the short and the long answer. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. You too. Okay, what is the short answer? When is the best time to work out? Uh, first thing in the morning, prior to breakfast. Okay, prior to breakfast, prior. and why? The short answer is it will increase your energy, your mood, uh, the way you interact with people. The longer answer is that it actually improves your health. Uh, overall? Overall, yes. Why? It will decrease in many pa people. About 100 million Americans will, uh, that have either type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetic will increase their body's response to their natural insulin. So it can actually prevent sometimes people from going into type 2 diabetes if they're pre-diabetic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's back up for a second. Let's okay. talk about, you know, overall the well-being of doing it, for, uh, of working out first thing in the morning. Yeah. So you're talking about get up, get to the gym before you have your coffee, before you have your morning breakfast. That's and right. why is that based on what, what happens to us as we sleep? So as we sleep, obviously we don't have as much glucose in our system. We're not eating, so we're in kind of a fasting state. Mm -hmm. So when you exercise, and you have a lot of glucose, it's gonna use that first. But if you're in a fasting state, it'll use your fat more, more so. So you're actually burning your fat more by working out before you eat. That and, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense because once you eat, then your body uh, wants to take nutrients from that yes, first. That's right. Before yeah. it goes to the fat that you're trying to get rid of. It will burn some of the fat that you're trying to get rid of, but it won't, if you have a full stomach, it's going to use that first. First, right, okay. Um, so let's talk about um, the benefits of working out first thing in the morning, in particular with people that you're talking about, this mm -hmm. group that you're talking about. So there was a study, yes, right, of, of folks that were obese, which we know in this country is a huge problem, and there's a lot of people in that category. Yeah. So how did working out first thing in the morning help them? So these obese patients are at higher risk for becoming diabetic. Type 2 diabetes 
is uh, an illness that affects at least 30 million Americans, and there's about 80 million that are what are called pre-diabetic. Mm -hmm. And this is an illness where your insulin that your body naturally produces is not doing the job it should. Mm -hmm. There's a resistance to the insulin, and also some of them don't even produce as much insulin as they could. So by the, so the study followed uh, those people's obese men actually mm -hmm. uh, that worked out before breakfast and those that did it after breakfast, and they saw that at the end of the day their muscles utilized their insulin much more effectively oh, than those that ate uh, before they worked and out. And is, is there a reason why? They think, they suppose it's this whole fat, uh, you know, breaking down the fat oh. instead of the glucose. And and we don't know exactly why, and uh -huh. they have to do the study in women as well. But sure. they think that this might actually prevent some people from becoming diabetic. That's um, interesting. Along with mo lifestyle modifications, weight sure. loss, all of those things. But this is uh, one thing that they can do that's very easy to do um, right. in the morning, especially if you're, if hopefully if they're exercising. So yeah, so lifestyle, and then just overall in your general health, I mean, obviously we like to eat well and do all this stuff, but lifestyle changes could do a lot. A huge amount. Really? Yeah. Yes. Even those people who are already in the diabetic categories can sometimes come off their medications by eating less, losing weight, Working exercising, out. Mm -hmm. yeah, this is a, a big deal in that in that and and those people who don't do those things and become more obese and sedentary are at much higher risk of becoming diabetic. And why is that an issue? Higher risk of heart disease, right. stroke. You know, you could lose your legs from sure. circulation issues. So, really important to kind of get this under control. All yeah. right. But I love this idea, workout first thing in the morning, oh, not just for folks that are mm -hmm. diabetic or pre-diabetic, but overall, yeah. you're gonna get the biggest bang for your buck first thing in the morning. Yes. All right, good to see you, thanks Thank for coming you. in. You're welcome. We'll be right back. Next, she's the president of the National Hispanic Media Coalition, helping Latinos build their voice in media. Meet Brenda Castillo and writer Rob Suttoff. In 1986, Alex Nogales founded the National Hispanic Media Coalition to advocate for Latinos in film and television. On February 28th, they will be celebrating the Impact Awards. Brenda Castillo is the CEO, and Rob Suttoth is one of their success stories. Welcome, Brenda. Rob, you too. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. All right, Thank so you. let's talk a little bit about the mission of uh, NHMC. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for having us oh, on your show. Congratulations. You're going to have your one-year anniversary. I'm so happy that you have a show that you can have guests like us talk about Latino issues. Now, I met with Alex Nogales a long time ago, back mm -hmm. in 1991. We had a, a wonderful lunch, and, and he was really interested in getting the, the big companies, Disney and Fox and CBS, NBC and ABC, to pay attention to the message of inclusion. And they weren't listening, and he was very frustrated. But a lot of progress has been made. Let's talk a little bit about that progress and what you think this organization has accomplished. So NHMC's mission is to bridge and connect our Latinx talent with the entertainment industry. And we have had a lot of success. When the organization was first founded by Alex Nogales, mm -hmm. Armando Duron, and Esther Renteria, Latinos were not on broadcast weekdays. They were only on on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And that was because these stations were afraid that they, the ratings would go down if they had brown people during the, <laughs> can you believe that? So yeah, I can believe that. believe that. Obviously, we have come a long way. Sure. We're, you know, primetime anchors and um, on network and local stations. And NHMC has now concentrated in, also in film. 
We have an office in Washington, D.C. We concentrate on policy because we feel the policy that is decided in D.C. affects Hollywood, Hollywood's business, and how we're perceived in Hollywood is how we are treated. So I do see a surge. Uh, we get calls weekly from studios, from networks, from local stations, radio, even the publishing company, that they want to meet our Latinx talent. And we have two wonderful, successful programs. And one is our writers programs. So we have nearly 200 graduates. Wow. Rob is a perfect example. And our writers are working for The Flash. Three of our Latina writers was hired for Selena, the Selena series mm -hmm. that will come out in 2020 on right. Netflix. So we have a lot of success stories. And Rob is here. He's a perfect example. So Rob, tell us about your experience. Did you approach them? And how did this all happen for you? Uh, well, I, you know, we, I can't even remember what thing I submitted now because it was <laughs> so long ago, so old. Um, but uh, I had submitted a spec to or a script to the program. Uh -huh. I was accepted, and then you know, it, I'm, I don't know how it is now, but this was going back to 2009. It was a mock writers' room, so you ended up mm -hmm. pitching your idea and writing as uh, another script in the eight-week program, um, and just kind of like um, getting your feet wet as yeah, a writer. Yeah. Um, and so after that, I sort of started pounding the pavement using the NHMC experience to pitch my own stuff and then eventually about a year later started working and I've worked on I think like eight or nine shows wow. um, um, a lot of them get canceled that's just TV <laughs> it's not my fault but now you've sold something right? I, yes and um, and I've sold some pilots but I just sold a feature to Universal Wow! it's called BS thank you it's um, called what BS okay and is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, kind of a it's a female um, Latina drama ensemble drama. We want to get like the the powerhouse Latina actors uh, for these roles, um, and we're producing it with Eva Longoria mm -hmm. and Will Packer, who did Girls Trip. So wow. um, it's very um, it's going to be sad. It's going to be funny. It was inspired by my own um, my own life with my tias, mm -hmm. who were very instrumental in and me just um, finding my voice as just, not just like a human, but as a writer, yeah. they always were laughing. They would laugh at everything, <laughs> like sit around the table and it didn't matter if like there was a birthday party or a quinceanera or a whatever, or someone died, they would laugh at everything. <laughs> and so that's sort of the spirit that I, I hope to bring to this movie. So we'll see. Well, fantastic, that, that's great. That really talks about our culture, yeah. because you know our culture, I mean, everybody raises our children. Oh yeah. And Takes aunts and uncles, yeah. great grandparents, All everybody yes. everybody <laughs> has their own opinion yeah. and they're going to tell you. And you're never safe. Yeah. You, there's always eyes watching you like and they can discipline you just like your mom or your dad like so that's again that's hopefully the spirit. It was I was really I'm very excited to do it for me in my career but like to portray these women who are so strong and so funny and so have so much heart and like shaped me as as Pretty awesome. Well, that's so. a great success story. So the National Hispanic Media Coalition has created a way for talented writers and actors and people who, who have a voice to get that voice heard, and that's fantastic. Congratulations to you. You're, thank you. And it's so important for us to write our own narratives, mm -hmm. for Latinos to write our own stories. And why Rob is so successful, because something that we want to do in 2020, hopefully we'll get it done in 2020 or 2021, is to create a writer's program but for film script writing. 
So that's my goal. Well, that's fantastic. It's a great goal, and we appreciate you both for being here. Yeah, of wish you continued success. Yes, thank you so much. Onward and upward. Si se puede, right? Yeah, si se puede. We'll be right back. Still ahead, there are so many changes in our primary election next month. We're breaking down the confusion. Welcome back to Carl, uh, Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Romero. Did you forget the name I of the program? I did for a second. Just <laughs> it's a it's a Lisa I, and Carlos I'm program. So excited about this topic. Well, I got excited. Know, it is exciting because the California primary is coming in just a few weeks. March 3rd is the day. And if you haven't registered to vote, today is your deadline. You can go online at registertovote.ca.gov. If you're registered, you've already received your sample ballot like I did in the mail, and you may have noticed a lot of changes. There's so many things happening this year that are different than they have been in the past, so much so that we want to make sure you're informed about it and that we're talking about okay, it. Okay, we all need to be informed informed on just how we're going to vote, especially here in L.A. County, because we've never done it this way before. So first, you will not be going to your designated polling place anymore. In fact, the 4,000 traditional polling locations will be replaced by about 1,000 multi-purposed vote centers. And you'll just go to the one that's most convenient to you. They're scattered from Lancaster to Long Beach in places like city colleges, schools, and libraries. I mean, you could go anywhere in the county mm -hmm. and vote. That's Isn't that cool. interesting? That's cool, yeah. All right, second, forget about showing up on Election Day to cast a ballot. Now all you'll be able to vote at one of those voting centers on Election Day. And for the 10 days before, uh, you can vote as well. That mm -hmm. means centers are going to be open, open starting on Saturday. Fair, I can't even talk. February 22nd. There's not a lot March of third, February 22nd we can start. Right. So not only can you go to any of these voting centers, but you can also vote 10 days, days prior earlier. to Election yeah. Day. You can obviously also vote on Election Day. And third, once you arrive at one of those voting centers, you will come across one of these machines that you're looking at. Um, it is entirely new way to cast a ballot. This video of the new device is from the LA County Register of Voters website. You can see it's touch screen with 13 different languages and several font options if you need it bigger or smaller. You can see a keypad or listen to an audio selection if you need that option. And once you've made your selection, you insert your ballot uh, it prints out and then goes into a secure bin attached to the machine. You also have the option of filling out your ballot through the app, which is what you're looking at right there. Once that's complete, you'll get a voter passcode to scan the code into the machine and your ballot automatically prints and secures in the bin. We have so many questions about that, but here's the man in charge of running our elections, Dean Logan, L.A. County Registrar uh, Recorder, County LA County Registrar of Voters. He's county Clerk. County Clerk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so many titles. And he tells us why this is happening. The big change here is that, that we associate voting today with a random Tuesday between the hours of 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. Voters want choice. They want the ability to go to a location they choose to vote that's convenient to them, uh, that, that's comfortable for them. So instead of 4.8 million voters going to each to a single location, now those 4.8 million voters can go to one of several hundred locations that are located throughout the county. 
I love so, that idea. Right? It makes yeah. a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, oftentimes when you, in the past, when you had to go to a, your specific church or whatever, wherever garage, you're designated. Uh, down the street, yeah. Right? And if you happen, you're like, oh, gosh, I need to vote, and you see one, you can't, you couldn't in the past just walk in there. Yeah. They wouldn't, yeah. you know, without a provisional okay, ballot. Okay, the scariest thing for me will be those touch pads and going through the technology for those of us who are used to just punching the hole right. in the ballot. So this is this is what's changing. You might be wondering... Uh, why the change and how much did all this cost? Well, back in 2016, you recall, California state legislature passed the sweeping Voters' Choice Act, which modernized our elections and was meant to reflect two main realities of voting in this new era. First, about 59% of Californians are voting by mail, absentee ballot yeah. and whatnot, and not physically showing up to the designated polling location. That's a big number, 59%. Yeah. Right. And the other option yeah. is, the other reason yeah. is... Voting equipment in our state, if you, if you hadn't noticed, is aging. And public dollars, yeah, those, yeah, well, the whole system, the, the, the thing that reads the punch cards, all that's really old technology. And, uh, of course, public dollars were needed to replace them. So something needed to happen because every election was costing us tens of millions of dollars and not being run as efficiently as it should. So after 10 years and $100 million, this new voting method is now ready to go in L.A. County. Let's hope we don't have another Iowa on our hands. <laughs> well, we don't have a caucus, so <laughs> yeah, it'll be this good. Is, this it, is full-on primary. Yes, so It's yes. important to realize the Voters' Choice Act is optional, and each county is responsible for funding its own updates. In some counties, voting officials are updating the absentee ballot system, but in L.A. County, Registrar Dean Logan believes rolling out this new tech will turn out at least uh, the three and a half million voters who showed up to vote in 2016. We're trying to do this in a manner that results in a publicly owned, publicly operated system. Uh, nobody's done that in the voting um, environment before. Most voting systems are proprietary, privately owned companies that, that sell voting equipment for profit. We're trying to break that mold. We're trying to, to do this in a way that expands that market rather than shrinking it. So let's talk about hacking. Okay, let's talk about worried about. Let's talk about hacking because yeah. I know you're probably looking at the, all that tech and the touchscreen <laughs> and starting to be like, my vote can get hacked. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what you need to know about those machines. The registrar says they are not connected to the internet or any network. The devices are programmed individually as voters move from question to question. The whole system is owned by the County of Los Angeles and all of us, the taxpayer. That proprietary information we own. It's not like some company we're paying to come up with this. The registrar plans to continue developing this voting software as our technology continues to get better. Now, yes, they did employ a company up in the Silicon Valley area to, to develop, develop it, it yeah. but we bought it. The, the county of Los Angeles bought yeah. that tech, and now we run it, and it is not connected so to us. So what's interesting, it's, it's so each, that's why, probably, I assume, that's why they reduced the number of polling places, because you, you, have, you go from 4,500 to, to 900 and something yeah. uh, polling places, and these machines are there, and so the machines are there to make it easier for us to vote and more efficiently, and then, it's, and then there's, all, there's a paper ballot that you see that's that you inserted that paper ballot and then so that's counted so that's counted at each polling place right. results then are shipped 
not by internet, by ship physically yeah. to uh, uh, the central location, to the registrar uh, voters office. Right. Well, of course, voting rights advocates are also concerned about all these changes. And of course, what you were concerned about, that voting machine yeah. and the technology. And uh, yeah. yeah, they think it might be confusing, especially to some of the seniors who are used to doing things the old way and, and are used to going to their specific polling their location. Their neighborhood location, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Mary Lou Guevara from the League of Women Voters has this to say. She says, a lot of people will know about the nice technology that's coming, and that will definitely be welcomed by voters. But my worst fear is that people will wake up on Election Day and go to their polling place, and nothing is there. Right. Well, that's what you're saying. It's well, and that's confusion, what yeah. And that's what we're trying to talk to you about here, yeah, so, so you know confused. what's going on. So in case you're wondering, yes, you can still cast an absentee ballot the way you used to do, you know, and, and mail that in. That ballot will need to be postmarked, though, by March 3rd in order to count for the primary. Yeah. So I've done a that. lot of yeah, information. There's a there. lot, lot of things there. First of all, don't be worried about the tech. Secondly, it's not going to get hacked. And third, get out early. Right. <laughs> Always go early. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. You know, they say it's not going to get hacked. They say this is a foolproof plan. We, we shall see. We, we are going to have to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's It'll a new and and we're seeing all across the country all of these new systems start to roll out and there's starting to be right. issues everywhere. So we will see what happens in LA County. This isn't the first time we've used those machines, though. In another election, in certain other counties, they have used those yeah. machines and they seem they to have been working. Yeah, so they worked out the bug. So here's the thing. You know, I say this all the time. Yeah. If you don't vote, you can't. You have no license to complain. <laughs> Absolutely agree <laughs> with that is, statement. I vote because I want to voice my opinion. <laughs> yes. In yes. private. <laughs> yes, privately. Yes. All right. It's so, a great exercise. Though. Uh, it's great look, to if do that. you're still confused, this this segment will go up on our website. Rewatch it. Yeah. Share it with your friends so they know what is coming. But today is the deadline to register. Get out and vote. Next, a new documentary called Addicted to Joy is a passion project for our next guests. Hear how the film came about and where it's headed. Richard Newman and Bill Eddy have a new documentary called Addicted to Joy, all about the love of surfing. And they join me now to tell us all about this film. Richard and Bill, nice to have you here. Thanks. Great to nice be here. To be here. Tell me what the genesis of this film was, Richard. The genesis was a surfboard that I saw hanging in a studio where I was shooting a music video. And the owner said, let's have lunch and talk about it. And he said, I want to make a coffee table book. And when I heard the story, I went, oh boy, this is way different than a coffee table book. <laughs> and three days later, we left Santa Cruz and we were doing interviews in San, San Diego. Amazing. Three days. And Bill, you got involved and, and you, you thought to yourself, this is a story that needs to be told? Definitely. I had seen the original movie and there were some things about it that I like and some things I didn't like. One of the important things to me in any film, documentary or otherwise, is the music and how it sets the tone. Sure. And so, uh, and I thought the first film was maybe a bit too long. Just And so Richard and I started after... Uh, after we had been over to uh, Spencer Crowell's archives and library and he'd been so gracious to open all of that for Richard and, uh, and for us, uh, we just sort of started talking, uh, Richard and I just sort of talking and working and texting and things just sort of fell into place and 
uh, the expression that we use on the golf course is we haven't egged it pretty well, <laughs> and we still do, but I, I particularly admired Richard's level of integrity and how he wants to make sure that the right people have credit for what they've done and what they've provided. And, and uh, so we just, we just kept working and talking and evolving. And uh, if we, we they made a lot of changes, listened to a lot of music, and, and there's that's the part of it. So the, the interesting thing to me about is, is that you find there is, uh, and you talk about relationship and you talk about spiritual, what are we going to learn, Richard, in this film that we haven't learned about the surf culture? I think you'll learn about the depth of the passion of the people that started it and why they started it. Um, there's a quote. There's a quote from Hobie Alter when he opened his first thing that opened his first store that said, "Well, you're all going to go out of his friend said you'll go out of business because after you sell a surfboard to the to the 250 surfers in California, you're done. You're done. Yeah." And at that time, there was nobody there, and it was such a small group that everybody knew everybody and worked together at something that evolved in front of them, from, you know, planks to, to balsa to big core, big core form after a foam after the, uh, after the war to all of a sudden shorter boards and better foam and then the short board and then the Olympics. This the, year. the evolution of all of that is incredible to it me. It happened so fast. And, it, you know, I started surfing when I was about 10, 11 years old. And, and to see the changes happening. But we were in the throes of a cultural revolution at, at, in the 60s, you recall. Yes, we were. And that's part of what surfing is, right, Bill? Very much so. Uh, it all dates back to the ancient Polynesians, it, it, their, their freedom, uh, their enjoyment, and uh, their respect for nature and the water. And it, it just, it's just all moved forward. And at a point in the film last year, I think we, we kind of just sort of stopped and said, There's, this is something special. There's a message here. There's a real important message. And, uh, and it, 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 it transcends politics. It not, only, it not only relates to the world of surfing and surf culture, but the uh, whatever yeah. anybody does for a living, <laughs> respect, reverence, and things like that. Commitment, Commitment. Uh, craftsmanship. There's kind yeah. of a spiritual undercurrent in your film. Do you feel I, 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 I would hope so. I, I, I'd <laughs> always, I always wanted to have that there because I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. And but don't all surfers want to do that? I think at our I core think, we want to do that. I think that's the connection that was so attractive to me. As, as a non-surfer, I mean, one day in, in Santa Monica in 1984, going over a nine-foot and breaking my shoulder and realizing Congratulations. it's probably, you joined probably the, not my... You joined the wipeout cast. Yeah, probably not my sport, you know, but um, just so attracted to the, the dedication and the awareness of the planet and the connection to nature and mm -hmm. the individuality and the challenge, you know, the don't give up, the everything about it, just take it as far as they can take it. It's, it's fascinating. It's beautiful. Uh, you see the Duke there, uh, Duke of Hanamoku, and then of course the wood, uh, the wood-shaped boards, and, and uh, those are the, the, those are the things that those they're like trophies in surfers' uh, little you know archive in there. What do they call that? Their uh, quiver. Their quiver. Yeah, yeah. I, I should know that because my quiver's reduced from ten boards to three now. They're all long boards, 
But here, uh, Bill, now you said something about this film that it's it's getting some it's getting some notoriety. You might get into some festivals. What's the ultimate goal of the film? You think? Well, I don't know that we have an ultimate goal. I think that we uh, early on, uh, I think we said, why don't we shoot for the Newport Beach Film Festival, knowing that it was not going to. Uh, show until the end of April of this year. And we, because of the private screening that we had in Newport Beach, uh, and it had to be free, because if if you're chosen for the Newport Beach Film Festival, it has to be a world premiere for them. You can't, you right. can't have charged or anything like that. And I think after that screening, uh, it was through a good friend of mine who saw the film. I didn't even know that he showed up. And he... <laughs> One of his best friends was on the program committee for the festival, mm -hmm. and so that got started. And some other things have just come our way as we've had the trailer, and you know we've talked about certain people, and I've met a lot of new people yeah. that have helped and say, "This is great. We want to, you know, we think you can do this and do that." So it's it's sort of taking on a, a life momentum. of its own, yeah. Yeah. but we're very excited about it because we do think we have something very special. It's it's just it's a love story. It's a, it's another surfing movie. It's a love story. Yeah. Right. I, you, know, you know, Greg Knoll did very well with the Writing Giants movie in, in in the in the festival circuit, and I wish you all the very best on this film. It's it's it really is a love story to to surfers like me and and to you. So uh, uh, we'll look for it online. We'll look for it in theaters, and hopefully it'll make the festival circuit, and we'll be able to see it uh, globally because it's a terrific message. We'll right. let you Thank know. You. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Really appreciate it. And as uh, Bill Letty says, aloha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cell phones have been known to cause anxiety in teenagers and insomnia in adults. In adults. Yeah. But now our phones could also be making us fat. It's just, this is because I'm doing this all the time yeah. and I'm gaining weight just looking at my phone. <laughs> but no, this, they actually talked about some science. This is really a, exposure to the blue light that emits from the LED screen is directly related to appetite uh, increases in your body, among other things. The research is from a university in Amsterdam and it found that even one hour of nighttime blue light exposure raised your blood sugar and caused you to eat more sugar. So they, they're, they're extrapolating this from the research they found in rats. They had rats do this. <laughs> they put cell phones in front of rats. Yeah, the blue light. And, and then guess what? Oh, they did blue light on some rats and none. And the rats that had the blue light would go directly to the sugar. Wow. Every single really? time. Really? Right. At, and it was late at night, which, because you know how great it is to eat sugar at late at night. <laughs> well, researchers say... Uh, your late night scrolls, you scroll, you know, mm -hmm. scrolling through your media just to make sure you don't miss anything in for the bed. day. In bed, not a, especially if it's dark. That blue light is really, really strong, and it's making you crave sweets, which is so weird. So help me help you. <laughs> Here's how we can stop that. So limit the amount of time you spend on your phone or computer, especially at bedtime. We keep hearing that, but now for anything, it's a vanity measure, and now you cannot yeah. do that because it causes you to. In one of my updates, uh, I was able to update to night mode. So there's a night mode thing, so that le less light is less emitting. Blue. Less is it less blue? Mm -hmm. Which was just it's just really nice because it's not as dark or as bright, so your eyes don't have to adjust so much. So yeah, it's kind of the, if you turn on your phone to the night mode, then it has more of an orange color than a blue color, which the research says helps. <laughs>
Well, and if you're really weird, I hear there are goggles you can buy to block out the blue light. You imagine, honey, what are you doing? Nothing. Don't worry about me. It's my blue light I've goggles. I've got my goggles on, yeah. <laughs> well, look, so just know that the blue light in this research has... Will make you fat, crave sweets. But so they did this in Amsterdam? Mm -hmm. Are they sure those rats weren't doing like hits, doobs <laughs> before? On the side. They're also, the they also hotboxing <laughs> the, 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 the rat cage, apparently. And then they were like, let's have I some I want some chocolates now, thank you. <laughs> and some chips. <laughs> chips. Uh, all right. Well, that is, gosh, what, is this the end of the show? Yeah, it is. Are we done? Yeah, all right. It. That'll we're do it for us today. You can watch us anytime on Beyond.TV. B-E-O-N-D.TV. And we're everywhere on your podcast with all the podcasts and services and on KSL TV app and of course Monday through Friday at 8 to 9 on KDOC TV. Have a good day.